righty. Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Tim Phillips. Tim, what's new in Timland? Oh, I don't know. I've been watching some good movies to distract myself from everything else that's happening in the world, so... That's a good been... call. That's a yeah. good call. Me, I was watching... Uh, I was just sort of perusing Disney Plus and I found a documentary series about a guy who thinks his birth father is the Zodiac Killer so that's what I've been watching um, so you I, go even darker <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I, I look at it this way right Zodiac Killer is probably dead and gone meanwhile Russia is on the move so <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't have to worry about the Zodiac Killer anymore um, yeah. not that I really ever but uh, yeah, there's some heavy stuff going on. Alrighty, End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new coming-of-age dramedy Licorice Pizza, which you can still see in theaters if it's playing in a theater near you, but you can also find it on demand at any fine streaming video streaming site. That will be in the back half of the show. Um, we're going to get into something PTA related in the first half. But in case we run out of time, I do want to take a moment, speaking of heavy stuff, to just uh, mark the passing of uh, CFRU longtime programmer Nikki Dread Taylor, who hosted the Crooked Beat on CFRU Thursdays from 7 to 9. It was a reggae show. Um, and Nikki Dredd did it for 40 years. So like starting in night. Wow. Yeah. So it was like 1980 or 1979. Uh, obviously the archives don't go back that far, but I mean, that's how long he was doing that one show at CFRU, which is a huge commitment. Uh, like, like that's tens of thousands of hours of content. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's really sad. Uh, he had been sick for a while and was keeping it, um, I guess to himself and to his family. He wasn't making a lot of noise that maybe the end was near, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge blow to local radio. There are so many people at CFRU who, uh, music programmers, uh, people who went on to, uh, like CBC and, um, careers in quote-unquote real radio not that community radio isn't real radio of course but shall we say paying radio um who you know owe a, t a tip of the hat to the mentorship and dedication of nikki dread too so i didn't want that to be forgotten um <laughs> as we kind of go through the show here i just wanted to say it off the top um i i didn't know nikki dread well um normally just in passing at the station but uh Man, that guy was dedicated 40 years of the crooked beat. And um, yeah, he will be missed. And, you know, best wishes and condolences to Nikki's uh, family and his radio family uh, far and wide. Yeah, best wishes and condolences. Sounds like he was really dedicated, putting in that many hours, really passionate about what he did. Super dedicated. And he was, yeah. you know, he was uh like an advisor to the junos and the reggae category and uh hillside he was a hillside host as well so i mean there's a big hole in sort of the local music scene and 
I don't think it will be filled easily or or immediately. So, uh, farewell to Nikki Dread. He will live forever on the radio. Anyway, um, maybe to get back to our show, uh, our, our movie this week, as I said, is Licorice Pizza, which uh, is from Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, who is a very renowned filmmaker. He is actually currently up for the Academy Award for Best Director for directing Licorice Pizza. And we'll talk in a minute about if that is well-deserved. I have a feeling uh, what our opinions about that will be. Uh, instead of sort of like, what are the best PTA films? Because I feel like that's <laughs> that's kind of a... Uh, a qu- like that's 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 going to be a tough sort of thing to to yeah. eat to to work out. I think, I'm, and I thought a much more interesting list would be: what are the best PTA characters? Yeah, that's much better. We could have <laughs> done top top ten PTA movies, <laughs> which is all the PTA. Movies. <laughs> He's only made nine movies. But. Yeah, <laughs> um, maybe there's like a, a short or a, a music video he did we could throw in there. But um, yeah, so we're gonna do our top three favorite or best however we want to think about it but when we think about pta movies these are kind of the characters we think about so uh tim why don't you start us off with uh your first of your favorite pta characters thanks adam yeah there's a great suggestion because there's so many great performances in uh, paul thomas anderson movies um so i picked a few maybe some are kind of under the radar um mm-hmm. the first one is I picked number three on my list is Philip Baker Hall in Hard Eight, uh, which was P.T. Anderson's first feature film. Um, and Philip Baker Hall, he's just such a great actor and he has such great presence on the screen. Um, some people may know him. He played President Nixon in Secret Honor, which was a Robert Altman movie back in the 80s. <laughs> and he was also my all time favorite. Um, playing Detective Bookman, uh, the yes. library detective in yes. Seinfeld, which is one of the most hilarious moments I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, that that show. <laughs> and yeah, in Hard Eight, he plays uh, this sort of no nonsense, straight talking, like almost like this professional gambler. It seems like he's been gambling for years. He knows all the ins and outs mm-hmm. of the casino knows how to you know get stuff for free get comp stuff without having to spend a lot um and he's one day he's on the street and he sees uh this man who's down and out uh looks in like emotional distress and his name's john and he's played by john c Riley. Mm-hmm. and uh philip baker hall becomes uh his character named sydney which was actually the original title for heart eight um he becomes the mentor for John's character and he just has this presence about him and it's so understated yet. It's so commanding mm-hmm. uh, throughout the film. Uh, and he went on to do uh, play other roles in PT Anderson movies, such as Magnolia and some, I think he was in Bo- Boogie Nights, maybe just a, a slight role in that, but mm-hmm. in Heart eight, he carries the movie just with his presence. And he, uh, he, he, his interactions with the characters he's like this this character that even though he seems like he comes from crime Mm -hmm. he seems like he's he's probably a former mobster still a a mobster 
he has like this in- integrity about him. Mm-hmm. He's he's like this this gentleman as well. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow plays a cocktail waitress who's also a, a prostitute. She sort of like in her spare time, she's a prostitute. Mm-hmm. But like even when like when he interacts with her, he's like this total gentleman. He's like, you don't have to talk to me that way. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I'm here for you. What do you need? He's there buying buying everybody a cup of buys people cups of coffee, uh, tries to straighten out situations. Mm. And he's a he's a true fixer. It's like in the pulp in pulp fiction where the wolf character by Harvey Keitel <laughs> comes in, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is like an understated version of that. Um because John John C. Riley's character gets in a lot of trouble. Uh, him and uh, him and Gwyneth Paltrow's character they um, kidnap a tourist um, who hasn't paid um, ha- hasn't paid for services rendered kind of thing, mm-hmm. and they kidnap him. and uh, And uh, Sydney needs to come in and be sort of a fixer for the situation. And he knows exactly what to do. And he's mm-hmm. so methodical. And I love characters like that. It's like, you got to do this, this, and this, you know, mm-hmm. you have to hide the gun. You have to do this. Yeah. You have to get, take, take my car, drive, drive <laughs> North, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that, that he's, he's excellent in that role that really commands the screen. And you can see why he became an early favorite of PT Anderson and some of his other films as well. Um, but I think that's probably his best role that I've seen him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and he plays off well against, and you know, it's something when you shine in a movie that has John C. Riley, Gwyneth Paltrow and Samuel L. Jackson mm-hmm. in, in Heart Eight that he can shine uh, so much in that. It just says a lot about his, his acting. And like in real life, he's from Toledo, Ohio. I think he might have a military background, just very, very sure of himself on the screen. And I think, I think that kind of acting really, really attracts me to watching somebody mm-hmm. knowing they're not forcing it, not going for, you know, big emotional responses. And so he's number three on my list, mm-hmm. uh, Philip Baker Hall. I also have a Philip at number three, uh, but it is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, and it is, he, I mean, he's been in, I think most of PT Anderson's movies, I know he was definitely in Boogie Nights and Magnolia, but in The Master, he is the titular master, Lancaster Dodd, who is based ever so directly on L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology. And uh, I mean, to be frank, great science fiction writer. Uh, But in The Master, it's kind of this savage look inside what it is to be in a cult, what it is to, um, in, in the case of Freddie, the, the Joaquin Phoenix character, who's this highly disturbed World War II veteran who's trying to find a place in the world and finds himself getting sucked into uh, Dodd's world. And, and for Dodd, too, to see sort of the anatomy of a cult leader con man, uh, you see it right there in the first scene where Freddie meets Dodd and uh you know you have hoffman putting on this like affect this like very it's a very if you hear clips of l ron hubbard in interviews he's putting on that voice and he's like you know he's just going down the list of the things he's like well i am a writer and i am a philosopher (laughs) and i am a doctor and it's just 
it's all just it's such a put on and then there's a scene shortly thereafter where he's at a party and he's talking about the the cause which is the the movie's version of scientology and there's somebody there who's trying to get under his skin and calling you know the, the various intricacies of the cause and trying to trip up dodd and you see you see dodd struggle with under under the scrutiny until he's able to turn the tables on the guy and then he gets up it, it, it's such a great it, it, in terms of staging when dodd is on the defensive he's sitting down but then when he turns the tables he stands up and starts projecting it is uh <laughs> just little subtle nuances like that and uh i i think it's hoffman's it's not his last performance chronologically, but it is his last great performance. And um, it's so subtle. It's so uh, PTA has a really a great way of sort of looking at these larger than life figures and just making them small and, and in, in a way that you can understand both their grandiosity and their, um, their inconsistencies. And uh, Hoffman was, Hoffman Hoffman sort of understood that in playing Dodd too, and it, it's it's a great melding of director point of view and actor um, sort of working to that point of view, and that's going to come up at, a, at another point in my list too. And and his control over the Joaquin Phoenix character throughout, mm-hmm. like he's mm-hmm. he's the master, right? Like mm-hmm. that one scene where he has Joaquin Phoenix walk around the room, walk back and forth around the room. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's just crazy, like. You know, Joaquin Phoenix has his own free will there, really, to do whatever he'd like, and he's just tied to this this <laughs> manipulator, right? He's just been he's in, under his control, and and there's and, a great line later where, where Todd says, "Well, like if if you if you know if you do not have a master, you would be the first man in history to not have a master." And sort of to break it down to that level, like you know what? At the end of the day, we all have our masters, and we all have our. Uh, the masteries i guess you know yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all kind of you know stuck in that cycle it's 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 re- it's a really nuanced uh, performance anyway tim you're number two a uh, number two on my list is adam sandler and punch drug love mm-hmm. um, playing barry egan um yeah this this is it was an interesting paul thomas anderson movie because so many Paul Thomas Anderson movies, PTA movies, are uh, uh, these large ensembles um, with a lot of time devoted to each character. I I felt in Punch Drunk Love, we really had a chance to see Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler in a character um, that really showed the sadness, loneliness, anger that that's such a part of his comedic roles, but mm-hmm. it's usually played just for sort of softer comedic effect playing out just truly darkly and disturbing. Um, and is, I think it's a perfect mix, this role and this performance by Adam Sandler of disturbing and comic at the same time. Yeah. And, and it seems the more disturbing he gets, the funnier it is. <laughs> which is so so wild to watch mm-hmm. you know and there's even the love scene with emily watson where you know it's like i want to scoop out your eyeballs and eat them and they're saying <laughs> yeah. this back and forth to each other 
and, and you're just like enth- enthralled by it, even though it should be so disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can't help but laugh at the same time. And just to, you, you can see him simmering throughout the film. And obviously he has, he, he's undergoing a lot of emotional abuse with his seven sisters, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the start, there's, you know, one sister calls him at work, then another, then, and then you realize it's all these sisters and, you know, they're teasing him. And then, and then how much is that, is that is actually just, you know, harmless teasing and how much is, how much is him taking him being such a eccentric person that he, he, he takes this all to heart. So you feel mm-hmm. for him, you have empathy for him, but then there's also, you know, this madness to him uh, that, that is ever present. And it's just wild to watch. And I think this was one of his great performances. I know we've talked at length before about uncut gems, which mm-hmm. came later mm-hmm. that we both loved and, and reviewed. And, you know, to me, one of his best performances, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Punch Drunk, Drunk Love might not be one of the best movies I've ever seen, but definitely his performance is up there. And yeah, just the way he plays off, plays off people and the confrontation near the end with the, with the mattress owner, um, the, <laughs> you know, the shady mattress phone sex operator owner uh, mm-hmm, played by mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. And, that. and without even any violence towards him, uh, Barry Egan, the Adam Sandler character, just, y- you can see the rage and the madness and that, that, that stops Philip Seymour Hoffman from going any further with the scam or this extortion attempt here. There's mm-hmm. no more, no more of that because, because of this, you know, wild, just this wild reaction from Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I'd like to see him do, do more roles like that. I think sometimes his comedies are maybe unfairly like targeted. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mind some of his comedies, but something like this, I think he, he could be the master of just the really dark pitch black comedy and his performance here. I, I thought it was epic. I really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I think and Peter will be happy to hear us say this. People write off Adam Sandler too quickly. There, there are times where you he really is trying. Um, he doesn't always succeed, or he doesn't always succeed to like in in terms of like the <laughs> the mastery of a PDA. But um, you know, there are I think standouts where he he is genuinely trying new things and and like things like Click or. Um, don't mess with the Zohan or even Mr. Deeds, which uh, has this kind of incredibly sweet core to it. I was actually thinking about Punch Drunk Love a lot while watching Licorice Pizza. But again, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, my number two character is uh, Julianne Moore's character from Boogie Nights, Amber Waves, uh, who that's her stage name. Uh, her real name is Maggie. We don't ever find out her last name because I think she is essentially Amber Waves. Um, she is a porn actress. She's kind of the matriarch of this um, porn adult film company, shall we say. Uh, the Jack Horner character played by Burt Reynolds is the director, and he has this sort of regular company of characters into which Mark Wahlberg's Dirk, Dirk Diggler joins. But Moore is the heart of the film. She's, as I said, she's like the matriarch. She's the mom. There's a, a scene where uh, the character played by Heather Graham uh roller girl 
And I think that's <laughs> we only ever hear her name as Roller Girl. Um, says, you know, she's been in a search for trying to find her birth mother, and um, she's having this this talk with Amber as they're sadly doing cocaine. But she says, you know, do you mind if I just like say? if I just ask you, are you my mom? And you say yes. And, and, and then that'll be that. And she's roller girl asks her, so are you my mom? And Amber says, yes. And, and it's this, it's this beautiful moment, even though it's like over a plate of lines of cocaine. Um, you know, it's just, the character is so interesting. She, she wants to, she's both tied down by this world, but she is such an intrinsic part of it. There's the, just horrifically heartbreaking scene where she's standing in front of the courthouse crying because she just tried to get access to her, her actual son and was denied because of what she does for a living. And just the, sort of the predatory nature of that scene too, with her ex-husband who's there with his lawyer. She doesn't have a lawyer. He's kind of smirking as he's talking about all her sort of trials and tribulations. He's sort of enjoying keeping her son away from her. And it's just, this is a woman who, has you know talent has um insights and and you know she's again she's like bound by the industry and she but she can't escape from it either and you know even in this the the scene the first scene with her and dirt diggler where they are uh performing for the camera shall we say you know she's essentially directing the scene yeah jack corner is sitting there in his director's chair like where the camera is pointing but it comes to like the actual shall we say, mechanics of what's going on on screen. It's Amber Waves directing the thing and giving Dirk Diggler encouragement. So um, it's not the flashiest performance in the movie, but it is one that is consistently just so um, mindful as, as you're watching it. She's um, so magnetic. Yeah, it's a, it's a great performance. It definitely, like you said, is the matriarch. That's a good way of putting it. And it really... She's kind of like the glue for the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the center, emotional center, I think, I think of the movie. Definitely. Yeah. All right, Tim, you're number one. I can't wait. My number one is Alana Heim for uh, Licorice Pizza. Ooh. So I don't know <laughs> if this is recency bias, but. Sneak uh, preview. Yes. <laughs> I, I, uh, I thought she was she was excellent in, in this film, and it's interesting because it's Alana Heim and um, Cooper Hoffman, the mm-hmm. son of Philip Seymour Hoffman, in their first film roles. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty awesome. Like she already has, you know, star written all over her. Like just from this performance, I thought she did a, a masterful job playing someone that I feel like I could meet in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, some PTA Anderson characters, you know, they're playing it for dramatic and comedic effect. And it's great. And there are some in this in this movie too, like Rish Pizza, who do that in, in the supporting roles. Mm-hmm. And I, I like what they they did. But she she along with Cooper Hoffman, they carry the movie. But she really uh, she, she's like somebody you feel like you could meet. And I think she does a great job playing a woman who's in her mid twenties, but she's stuck. She's mm-hmm. sort of like stuck in a, in a job in a situation that, you know, she doesn't really like, she kind of just puts up with, mm. uh, she, she works for this, uh, photographer who does, you know, the school portraits 
and she's there as an assistant, like holding mirrors for, for the, for the, for the kids to, um, you know, comb their hair. She's mm-hmm. there doing that kind of work. And then she still lives at home with her sisters and family mm-hmm. and sort of a little bit in a rut there. And then she meets the, uh, meets, uh, Cooper Gary. Hoffman. Yeah. Gary, uh, Gary, she meets <laughs> Gary. And then, um, she goes from there and it's interesting because Gary 15 year old, he, he's playing somebody who's like mature beyond his years. He has all this experience. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, she's playing someone who's a little bit immature for her years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, she, in, you know, she's, and she does it, does it so well. I think, um, and, and there's such charisma to her role as well. The, the fact that, the fact that she can do some things, she can do some cruel things in the movie, but you still love her, you know, mm-hmm. um, even when, you know, even when she, uh, even when she shows like those immature traits, jealousy, uh, envy, et cetera, you still, you still love that character and you still feel, you feel for her and you, you want her to sort of break out of her situation mm-hmm. and, uh, and enjoy her life, find love, enjoy her life. And, <laughs> I, I thought, yeah, I, I just thought it was excellent. And the way she plays off the supporting characters as well, because mm-hmm. there are some wild supporting roles in this. Um, <laughs> Bradley Cooper is wild. We'll get to that when we review the film. And yeah, yeah. Sean Penn's character, Tom Waits, all these, you know, we- weird and wild Hollywood eccentrics. And the way she navigates through that and really shows the personality of the character without mm-hmm. it becoming like too eccentric or, you know, too off base. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really like the performance because it's, it's like a naturalist performance in this weird and wild eccentric movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought she did a, a great job and carrying the movie on her first role. So mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was really impressive. Definitely. I'll have more to say when we get into the review. Uh, but my number one PTA character is, uh, and maybe this is a bit obvious, but it is uh, Daniel Day-Lewis as Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood because it is just like like the Dodd character and the master. It, it could have gone off the rails. It could have been such a cliche. Um, but Lewis kind of grounds him in this just... Uh, just oily pun intended evil of just this man who's like there's there's a monologue like a lot of people remember the i drink your milkshake line but there's there's the other line from this like i have a competition in me where he's like confessing to this guy who plays or this guy who's pretending to be his half brother and he's just talking about like I look at people and I don't see anything there I want. It's all about the oil. It's all about taking as much as he can. And there's a, there's a business meeting after his son is um, rendered partially deaf by uh, an explosion um, where he's having the business meeting with the other guys who own the oil concern in town. And he, and you know, there's a slight where one of the businessmen say, Oh, like, yeah, you can, we're like, gonna make you rich and you can just take that money and you know you can just you know go go off and he's like well what would i do 
<laughs> and, then, and then the guy, well, you can take care of your son. And the idea of like just spending his time taking care of his son is so alien to <laughs> Daniel Plainview. And he, he takes it as a slight, like, you want me to take this money and take care of my son? F you. Mm-hmm. And it is like in this one character, it is like this dark mirror to like the next century, because it takes place in the early 20th century, like the next century of just like American business. This like nothing is nothing is personal because people don't matter. All that matters is how much I can take. Um, I'm going to drink your milkshake. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's a sick attitude, but uh, the way Daniel day Lewis personifies it, he sells it. He sells it. Like Daniel Plainview is a repulsive character, but you do kind of root for him because he's just so nakedly terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Fortunately, it's not quite that dark in Licorice Pizza, although it gets pretty dark. Uh, anyway, we're going to review that PTA movie after the break. You are listening to end credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. It's in the freaky show. Take a look at the old man beating up the wrong guy. best-selling show is alive on Mars. What are your plans? I don't know. What's your future look like? I don't know. How do you like working at Tiny Toes? I hate working at Tiny Toes. You should start your own business. (laughs) What business should I be in? I don't know, what do you like? I don't know. You're an actress. You should be an actress. (laughs) So how'd you become such a hotshot actor? I'm a showman. It's my calling. I don't know how to do anything else. It's what I'm meant to do. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I've been a song and dance man. Come on. Ever since you were a kid. Song and dance man. All right. And that was a clip from Licorice Pizza. It is the new film from writer and director Paul Thomas Anderson. And it stars Alana Haim, Cooper Hoffman, John Michael Higgins, Sean Penn, Tom Waits, Benny Safdie, and Bradley Cooper. Uh, I think most of those people have maybe a cumulative 20 minutes of screen time between them. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it speaks to the focus of the movie. It is all about the, the Hoffman and Heim friendship, relationship, courtship, whatever it is. Anyway, to, uh, why don't you, you, you've already talked about Alana Heim, why you love her. So uh, how does she fit into the overall love of licorice pizza? Yeah. So, licorice pizza is a strange one for me because i um we'll probably get to it too i (laughs) i love i loved it it it's almost would have been my favorite pt anderson movie if -hmm. it wasn't for those two racist scenes in it (laughs) (laughs) um but that's but we'll probably get to that later but what i loved about it was um 
Yeah, the two leads for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alana Heim, who's playing Alana Kane in the movie, and mm-hmm. uh, Cooper Hoffman, who played Gary. And I just thought it was such an interesting movie and almost like the epitome of P.T. Anderson movies that just keep moving and moving and the, the motion of, of it, the fact that this 15 year old, he's so entrepreneurial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved his character. Um, he's like this child actor who's getting on probably the wrong end of the child acting stage. He's there. He's getting pimples and he's, you know, 15 now. So he can't play those young roles mm-hmm. and he gets very entrepreneurial and you start selling water beds. And then later <laughs> in the film, selling pinball machines Mm-hmm. And it really takes you to time and place, which is uh, 1973 Los Angeles, and and following uh, and following uh, yeah Gary as he uh, as he has all these schemes and 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 the first meeting too with the Alana character, it's great. I just she's there holding the mirror for the uh, school. Uh, the the photo session uh she's there hey do you want in a mirror do you want to comb your hair and he and then he he flirts with her instantly and he's got Mm. this confidence and charm that as a 15 year old is quite quite something to watch Mm -hmm. and 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 the movie is so episodic but it makes sense because he's he's out there he's he's trying new things alan is trying new things as well and they're 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 up to like these adventures in Los Angeles, which is really <laughs> incredible. And then the people they meet are wild as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Bradley Cooper plays a real life person <laughs> yes. who you would think you would think that this isn't a real person. And I did the research and this is like, this person is true. And he acted like Bradley mm-hmm. Cooper does and even look like Bradley Cooper does mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, it was John Peters who was mm-hmm. like a celebrity hairstylist back in the seventies who dated Barbara Streisand. And he went on to become a film producer and he, you know, uh, you might have heard John Peters and Peter Gruber. They did Batman and a bunch of other films. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just so wild in, in that those scenes he's in um, where he's John Peters is buying a waterbed from uh, Gary's <laughs> company and they go to deliver the waterbed and this guy, he's just either he's totally mad or coked up or a combo of the two. <laughs> just the scene where he's like talking to Gary about the, about Gary mispronouncing Barbara Streisand. Barbara, Barbara, Barbara Streisand. Can you get it right, Barbara? <laughs> Makes him repeat the name Barbara Streisand like a dozen times. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's just so wild. And then he's like, oh, don't mess up my house when you do this waterbed. And then, of course, he messes up the house putting the waterbed in. It leaks well, all over the place. They do it on, do they, don't they do it on purpose, though? I, probably, yeah, because <laughs> that's the rebellious spirit of Gary, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and then, and then it comes this whole scene where John Peters is following them around, going after them. Because he runs out. Yeah, yeah, he runs out of gas. It's, he runs out of gas, so he goes and steals gas. <laughs> he threatens people at the pump. Yeah. And yeah, I just thought that scene, those scenes were so hilarious. Like in, in the theater, I was like ugly crying watching them. 
<laughs> like ugly crying from laughter because <laughs> it was so you know wtf and then humorous at the same time you're just like what's going on here mm-hmm. and the scene just extends and extends and you know pta he's got that confidence where he can do that he can just keep the scene rolling and rolling um you know e- even <laughs> though it's not like the main plot of the film right and i I just, I love that. So that's probably like my favorite, some of my favorite scenes, but the romance between the two, and it's really handled in this. I know some would see it as problematic in that Mm -hmm. Alana's 25 and Gary's Mm -hmm. 15 in the film, Mm -hmm. but I think it's sort of handled in a way really softly, innocently. There isn't, you know, any sort of sexual relations with them throughout the film. It's sort of like this, know this kind gentle interaction Mm. and so i went with it and i thought that they you know they do love each other even though they're kind of immature in a way that they maybe don't understand it and they're too busy doing these things like alana with the um sean penn character who's i guess based on william holden Mm-hmm. Um, having like dinner with him at the restaurant, having drinks with him at the restaurant, right in front of um, Gary to try to make him jealous, and knowing that's all- where Gary was going to be on a Friday night. Yeah, yeah, knowing that's where Gary was going to be, and you know, it's all those things that you know people in adult relationships do, you know, and they're you know mm-hmm. in a relationship where you try you know petty jealousies, and but they still at at the base of it, love each other and they're up for adventure together. And it's, it's kind of, it's cool to watch. It really takes you to the time and place. Like I was saying, 1973, Los Angeles. And the one thing that's missing, the title is licorice pizza. Yeah. And apparently that's based on a real record store in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And we never see it in the movie. Nobody um, goes there. Yeah. I thought it'd be good at the <laughs> end, actually the scene where they kiss at the end to have that in front of licorice pizza. That would have been a nice touch, but. Maybe that's too obvious for PTA. I know he likes to keep, yeah. keep things a little, yeah. a little, a little um, under the radar there. But I don't know. I I did love the movie, but then what I didn't like were the two scenes with um, John Michael Higgins, John Michael Higgins. Yes, where I don't know how he agrees to do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> like he's a, he's a legitimate actor. He's been in like um, oh, Christopher Guest movies and, mm-hmm. and he, he plays a Japanese restaurant owner who has Japanese wives, actually in two separate scenes, two separate wives who work two with separate him at, Japanese wives, yeah. at the business. And he speaks to them in this like derogatory yeah. accent in English. Yeah. Um, in like this Japanese accent like to their face like to taunt them almost Mm. and i did not like this i could see how maybe it can be justified because 1973 it's like first japanese restaurants in los angeles and this was the racism involved and this character's racist Mm -hmm. Um, apparently it was based on a real character too so maybe he was racist in real life but Mm -hmm. i think it adds nothing to the movie and unfortunately those two scenes like offended me offended me to agree degree where i couldn't couldn't say that this you know this is one of my favorite pta it is it's up there but i'm really conflicted with it Here's based the on thing. those two scenes i think those scenes are intentionally 
like racist and offensive because you know you you mentioned this the the age gap between um gary and alana which has sort of been a focus on people uh focus for people just you know kind of the inappropriateness she's like in her mid-20s he's 15 uh i will agree that it is played more innocently than then it, you know, it, it, it like it's not Lolita, is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, there's the they, they do kiss at the end, but then they go back to his pinball arcade, and he's like, "I want to introduce you to," and he, he calls her Alana Valentine. He gives like her her last her his last name, like they just got married, and she goes, "You're an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> it's so. I mean, there's there's kind of this push pull that it's like this innocent flirtation although at times it gets like less than innocent like the times they're trying to make each other jealous and uh he goes into a back room with uh, a girl his own age and she goes and like tries to spy on them from a back window it and then goes and kisses somebody some random dude on the street it's just it's completely toxic in that way but i think those two scenes that you mentioned the john michael higgins scenes um i think that is pta's way of throwing it back at the audience and saying this is the time period like you may look at what's happening with gary and alana and go wow that's wildly inappropriate but this is not set in 2021 or 2022 this is set in 1973 because here you have john michael higgins <laughs> using this this like uh uh you know breakfast at tiffany's yeah affect with yeah. his japanese wife and then later in the second scene where gary comes by the the, the mikado restaurant and he he he, he says oh, hi i haven't seen you in a while to the wife and the john michael higgins character go, oh no this is my new japanese wife which is just like it's <laughs> it's so yeah. casually racist because <laughs> all japanese people look the same i guess even though they're two obviously different women yeah um but it is it is kind of quietly disturbing in that regard and then later with like the william holden stuff or i guess the the character played by sean penn is jack holden it's well it's not cast aspersions but like this whole old hollywood aesthetic of you know it's it, it walks right up to the line of being casting couch because he meets alana at an audition and they go to this you know um i guess it's a country club since it's like right, right next to a golf course or something yeah. and then along comes Tom Waits as the, as a film director who's worked with Holden. It's like I bet you can't, you know, leap your motorcycle over this fighting pit. <laughs> Just like the madness and the recklessness. Yeah, and you know, it makes you realize, like in Hollywood, you can't get away with this anymore. Like if Leonardo DiCaprio, like if Steven Spielberg dared Leonardo DiCaprio to, you know, ride a motorcycle over a flaming pit at a at a country club in Los Angeles, how many cell phone cameras would that be digested by on how many Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts? Yeah. So it's, it's just, it, it, I think PTA with those seeds is just saying like this, this is not now. This is how people thought it. Yeah. It's 50. It's just 50 years ago, but this is, this is what life looked like. And I think that sort of, I think that sort of makes the, the age difference a bit more tolerant to my mind that you, you can actually savor that they're in, in the midst of all this zaniness and insanity and psychosis and cocaine. There is still this little bit of innocence of, of this 25 year old woman hanging around with this 15 year old kid. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's probably the point is PTA is trying to press buttons here. Yeah. Oh, um, definitely. Even with the age difference, right? Because 
he could have had he could have had Gary Gary Valentine be in high school and be like 18 or something, right? Mm-hmm. And had Alana be like 22, you know, yeah. which might be a little more palatable, right? Mm-hmm. But he's he's obviously you know doing this and saying it's the time period and this is the way it was. Except like those two scenes, though, I can see saying that's the time period, but I don't think they add much to the movie, really, other than unless you want to just say, <laughs> I'm not sure how much time, I'm, not time sure. Period. <laughs> I'm not sure how much John Peters threatening to set people's hair on fire as the movie. <laughs> anyway, that's a lot for me. <laughs> that was that was awesome. <laughs> It's just yeah. there's so much about it's like two hours and thirteen minutes of 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 the movie. You know, maybe sixty minutes is of this relationship drama, and the other hour and a half is just people acting coked up and crazy. But anyway, I loved every minute of it, <laughs> except for the those two scenes. <laughs> um, yeah, because oh man, Bradley Cooper, wow. Yeah, I he, he he really went for it. That's for sure. I gotta tell you, if Judy Dench deserved an Oscar for eight minutes of playing Elizabeth the first in Shakespeare in love. Bradley Cooper deserves an Oscar for eight minutes of playing coked up John Peters and licorice <laughs> pizza. <laughs> that was a real miss. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It's right up there for me with like Martin Lawrence and the beach bum. Those two. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my those, God. Th- those are, like when you can just captivate me for that that amount of that short amount of time, just get me engaged and have me ugly cry out of laughter. <laughs> I give you kudos. Yeah, it's yeah, he's he's great. Uh, I I think I'm not sure where I'm left to go on that <laughs> after that. But <laughs> no, I I I I think I like Alana Heim a lot. Um, she's uh she's very like like you said she's very believable she does seem like a girl you might meet on the street um i like cooper hoffman a lot i i this is kind of like weirdly i don't know how much of pta might appreciate this but like i feel like he's channeling rushmore with this he's channeling dazed and confused yeah um you know cooper hoffman uh, feels very much like in the character, I should say, Gary Valentine feels very much like in the mold of uh, Max Fisher in Rushmore. He's always got a hustle. He's always yeah. got big plans. I, I wrote down at one point as like, you know, when does he go to school? I wrote that down because <laughs> like maybe it's, yeah. it's it's not explicitly said like maybe it was during summer vacation or something. Yeah. But uh, he could was- skip school. Like, yeah, he, he's believable to me, too, because I've known people who are like, really into the hustle right uh, at a young sure. age and yeah but i mean it's 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 very much like it's not explicitly mentioned but you got to figure as you're saying like gary valentine child actor he had a gig you see him it's like he's still auditioning and stuff but you know you could tell from the the body language in the audition um and i think that was with um maya rudolph was in that scene mm-hmm. was one of the auditioners um you know he's not he doesn't whatever he had he doesn't have it anymore so now he's trying to launch himself onto this next thing which is like an entrepreneur and a businessman and you're kind of thinking to yourself like well is he like can he not just be a kid um 
<laughs> which i mean also adds to the thing is like of course he'd be attracted to a 25 year old woman he doesn't think of himself as a kid so you know there's there's a lot of sort of inner inner psychology to this too just like how much this working in the like the hollywood industry sort of like uses you up and ages you up even when you're just a kid like he, he doesn't see himself as a kid he sees himself as i had this one thing now i'm moving on to this thing and as soon as like he gets the idea like when he he's um working on the campaign video or i should say film uh for for uh joel walks and he hears like they're gonna re- and this is a real thing too pinball was outlawed yeah. in a lot of places because yeah. it was like a gateway drug to you know i guess dropping out of school and you know yeah, kids yeah. wasting their money and things yeah true stranger than fiction like that's the thing we, all, all these elements in the film and these characters you think wow this is like <laughs> very imaginative but they're based on real people it's crazy and based on real situations pinball was once outlawed and then you know gary here's like they're we're going to repeal that law and if, he immediately starts working the phones he knows people and he's like oh yeah can you give me some pinball machines <laughs> and uh and away he goes i don't know where he gets this like this the fat benny the the fat benny <laughs> is it fat bernie or is it fat bernie the fat bernie fat. uh branding but <laughs> yeah, just random it's just another pta random touch right he calls it fat <laughs> fat bernie's waterbeds fat bernie's pinball it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a thing yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, oh go ahead yeah yeah but it it's it's so it, it is so strange like like i was saying a uh, true stranger than fiction because mm-hmm. gary's actually based on a real person like very loosely based yeah um gary Getsman, who's like a producer who's done a lot of work with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, but I looked it up. He, he would have been like 21 back in 1973. So uh, that's another thing that P.T. Anderson use him and then say, oh, I'm going to reduce the age by six just to be controversial or something. But right. uh, but yeah, it's just and and the John Peters character, you look into that and he's so much like what Bradley Cooper depicted. Mm-hmm. And, and you think you think to yourself, like, would this really happen? Like, this just seems too over the top to happen. But mm-hmm. so much of it's based on, and like the Japanese restaurant owners based on a real person too. <laughs> and the mother of Gary was a publicist who did um, articles for uh, the Japanese restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it's wild. And I almost, I might, I almost think maybe P.T. Anderson, maybe not just to show the time period, he might have just been like following these characters and the biographies of these characters and said, I'm going to include everything I can about, I'm going to include this Japanese restaurant owner and have him be racist because I read this article about that. Or it, it, it seems like he's, he's navigating a lot of stuff that really happened and just, and just adding like flourishes to it, which is kind of crazy to think of like, you know, was William Holden, jumping fire on a motorcycle <laughs> maybe he was you know it, it's so heightened um and you're you're kind of meant to think it's heightened which i think i think pta is trying to deconstruct the romantic comedy a little bit um because you know rom-coms are sort of known for their heightened emotion and the weird thing in this movie it's it's not just it's not the emotion that's heightened the, the emotion feels very real it's like it's everything going on around this because it's, you know, it's, it's 73. It's just like this weird time or, you know, Vietnam is almost over. 
you know, the, then you get this oil embargo and it's an oil crisis. It's like the beginning of this like sort of decade long malaise as one famous American president once put it. It just the 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 eccentricity and the the craziness and the zaniness and the characters um it's you know you kind of look at alana and gary and you kind of think to yourself like how how is any person sort of able to just like navigate life as as normally as possible in the midst of all of this craziness it's it's just it's it's, and, some, and it's something else. <laughs> yeah, and there's actually there's a bit of a like a sense of menace too because there's that yeah. one scene that's really brief, but where Gary gets arrested for murder. Yes, right. Yes, and then the cops take him away, and he, it seems like this is a real '70s thing. Like they think he's the serial killer. They like you mentioned Zodiac killer earlier. He's like somebody <laughs> like this. They've got him. It's the description. Yeah, and then and then. Is it the real killer or a witness comes and says, no, yeah, that's not him. Right. Yes. That's, that's <laughs> what happens. They take him down to the station, cuff yeah. him. And then they bring out some witness. Like that's not the guy. And they take the witness back. And then the cop comes out undoes the handcuffs and just leaves him there. And so, <laughs> so there's this great scene where you see Alana's reflection outside, like telling him to come out. And Gary's like looking around, like, is that okay? If I just like leave, nobody gave me any instructions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that could that fits with sort of the theme of them sort of being on their own and growing yeah. up really fast. Like he doesn't know what to do at that point. She's waving him get get out of the police station because yeah. he doesn't. He's sort of like on his own. Like you see his mother briefly, right? When she's doing the uh, like mm-hmm. PR work, but you don't mm-hmm. see much family life from him, right? He's just go go go. Yeah, so much of the movie is like them running to places, running from things, running to each other. Um, and they, I mean, they kind of literally keep ending up back at the same place, which is this, like this one storefront. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure the storefront for the waterbed shop is also the storefront for the pinball arcade. And it's kind of like, there's kind of inherent in that message that that's kind of their lives. Their lives are like this block. Like the, <laughs> there's yeah. no kind of like going out there and seizing the day. Like this is the, this is the, the, the place from which they will orbit forever. This this one storefront that could be like three other things before Gary retires. <laughs> <laughs> Except when they have the moving truck for the waterbed and they go up up the hill to the mountain. That is a great scene. That is <laughs> a great it, scene where she pilots the, the the truck without gas down the hill to the gas station. Yeah, um, that is. A, it's kind of like the one action scene in the movie and it is like so flawlessly executed it's brilliant yeah uh, yeah grip it's gripping yeah and i love how it, it you know they make it to the bottom they make it to like just like several yards from the the gas station and like gary is so elated but there's this look on a lot his face like oh my god what just happened <laughs> <laughs> he's like that's awesome that's the best thing i've ever seen and yeah. she's like am i still alive pretty much right <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's understandable why that kind of leads to an epiphany, but I have an epiphany. The show is over. Uh, <laughs> that's it. We hope you like listening 
And uh, if you want to listen to the show again, you can find it on our website and creditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. When you're on Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on End Credits. Just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can find us on social media on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on the Twitter sphere at End Credits Radio. And Tim, where can people find you out there in the vast internets? In the internets, you can find me Flash in the Deadpan on all social media. Yeah, please, please reach out if you have any questions or any PTA comments. <laughs> <laughs> and people can find me again on CFRU from Thursday at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with my co-host there, Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can see my News and Politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for more end credits. And we'll see you then. Thank you.